So we're starting this new series, Am I Healthy? It's a, it's a thought-provoking question. Some of you instantly answer it, and it's like, uh, how many of you would, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but you're like, you see this question or this thought, am I healthy, and we start to think, what does health even mean? Like, what does that look like? This is a new year. Um, oftentimes, at the beginning of the year, uh, we, we put health into focus again, and, uh, you know, we kind of prioritize some things and rearrange our lives around, we say cool things like new year, new me, you know, like all those kinds of things, it's we're prioritizing health. No one, if I did ask for a show of hands, no one would say, hey, I want to be unhealthy. Deep down, we all want to be healthy. We want to be whole. We want to be complete. Like, like we want to be put together if you had the option to be. But I think through this series and through this conversation, we're going to see, even just through seeing that word or those things on the screen, we realize we might be lacking. So today... The message is kind of a big overview. We're trying to prioritize the messaging and kind of the content of it. So we're going to give a, a big picture of health today and kind of what we believe to be the key ingredient to health. And then the next three weeks, we're going to get real specific about different areas of our lives. Next week, we'll have a Christian psychologist, a friend of Northwood that's going to be here sharing at all locations, Dr. Andy Yarbrough, uh, that we're excited about. He's, he's just become a friend of ours, so he'll be here to share kind of in a panel-type conversation so he'll be having that, but then we'll also be having conversations the following weeks about relational health and then spiritual health. It's funny, I was talking to a friend in the back a little bit ago, and it was like, hey, I'm working on me, and I'm progressing, and if life was simply just me, and if I take care of myself, then everything's good, then it feels like it's a little bit more manageable, but we're not just us in this world. We interact with one another, and sometimes it's like, hey... I'm the, I'm the one that's unhealthy, and I affect things around me or, or vice versa. So we're just going to kind of talk about that real openly and honestly. Last week what we did is we, we took time to open up the values of Northwood Church. And one of those was at Northwood Church, we value health. And we discussed what that actually looked like, that it's not just physically, it's kind of this holistic health uh, we want to operate. We believe that we are optimized if we operate from a place of health. And culture would agree. Culture right now, the world that we live in, is all about getting the holistic look, um, you know, from mental health to physical health. And, and what's amazing, even people that don't profess Jesus as their Lord and Savior are still very dialed into this spiritual path towards health. Like there's something bigger than the world we live in. So everyone's saying health is a big deal. But very few people actually know how to achieve health. So we said, if we value it, let's talk about it. It's not something that mankind has just made up. It's not like, hey, in 2022, we said, okay, health is all of a sudden a big deal. We genuinely believe that God created us to be whole. God created us to be healthy. And, like, this was his original intent for us, for you, and for me, like to be complete, to be perfect, to, to lack nothing. Sounds perfect. But none of us are experiencing that. So if God and his loving kindness created us to be that, why aren't we experiencing that? Have you ever been in perfect health? 
probably not, but felt optimized, felt really, really good, then we have to actually start to ask ourselves, has, has mankind ever been healthy? And this is where we have to start to look to the word of God. We have to begin to look at God's original intent for man because we learn very early on in Genesis that in the garden, in the garden of Eden, health was actually present. Everything in the garden was whole, it was complete, and in that wholeness and completeness of the environment and of the people that were in it, there was harmony between God and man. Perfect. Like, we try to imagine that, but it's really hard to comprehend. We see that in the Garden of Eden, God was actually with man, and we were complete in him. Like everything that we actually lacked was completed by the person that God was and that we were so close. It was like not a puzzle piece. It was just, it was the fuel in the tank. It was the life that we possessed. Everything that we had, we were designed as people to be dependent on God. We were actually created. In the, now, in today's world, nobody wants to be dependent on anything. Actually, there's a surge, and especially in American culture, it's all about independence. When you start to study other cultures and other worlds, even like where, where Brother Rick Zachary's ministering, you see this culture of working together and an interdependence. The United States in particular has, has soared in this entrepreneur, individualistic, independent spirit. And there's a lot of great things that take place through that. There's a lot of expansion that takes place but what that does to us internally is it begins to feed this thought inside of all of us that we in and of ourselves are more than enough to achieve this very thing that God created us to be dependent on him for. And we go through this life trying to satisfy this thing that God actually designed us to be completely dependent on him for. So we live our life trying to achieve, find, pursue, and like have love, peace. <laughs> we go on this journey to achieve and to find hope in our life. And the reality is that God created us to have all of those things, but the way that we would receive those things were to be dependent on him because the Bible teaches us that God is love, God is hope, God is peace. I'm learning more and more, I think the number one desire for mankind is peace. And we define peace different ways, but to know that God actually created us to have that and then he was the answer for that, it was a perfect system. Mankind was supposed to operate totally, completely dependent on him, and when we did that, we would be whole, complete, lacking nothing, uninjured. The biblical word for this is actually an Old Testament word, but we see it actually all throughout the word of God. The biblical word that when we worked like that as people, we would achieve something called shalom. Shalom. Shalom is one of those words in the Bible that has a whole bunch of different meanings. Like, 
The easy way to say it is peace, but it's so much richer and so much depthier than just the word peace. It, it literally means that when we were dependent on God, we would be whole, we would be complete, perfectly sound, that we would have welfare, that we would be completely provided for. It would be good for us. There would be well-being. Like It wouldn't just be all for God. It would actually, we would be benefiting greatly from this. And the word shalom also means peace. In the garden, we had peace. And what's amazing is when, when we think about this, we would assume that once you find something like this, you wouldn't do anything to mess it up. Like, okay. I found it. I found the key to life. Like, I am going to protect this at all costs. But one of the incredible things about God, but also one of the so confusing things about God is that he inserted this peace to mankind called free will, which means mankind can make their own decisions. It's not going to be robotic functions and just obeying what is said. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want, however you want. Right now, if all of you said, he's talking too long, I don't really like this, everyone could just stand up and walk out. Like, I, I can't hold you here. I can beg for you to stay, but it won't, it won't work. That independent spirit. No, I'm just kidding. But, like, so even in the midst of perfection and shalom, mankind makes a decision. They come face to face with the enemy in the Bible in the Garden of Eden. It's the serpent. Many people ask, why was the serpent allowed in the garden? I don't know. I think the same thing. But we do see that the serpent is in the garden, and he presents an opportunity for man to either follow his free will and his desire and to side with the deception that the enemy was presenting or to stay in shalom, peace, wholeness, perfection. It wasn't quite presented like that, but those were the two routes that were given. Man chose that which would temporarily satisfy. It would provide this moment of hopefully pleasure, and they disobey God. At that moment when mankind disobeys God, sin entered in. This is the first mention of sin in the Bible. This is the first mention of this shalom being broken. This thing that mankind once had, completely whole, holistic health, whole physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, spiritually, everything was good, even financially, well-being. Shalom, which was holistic health, all of a sudden was broken and it brought holistic death. And this is what we now live in. It was holistic death to us as individuals, our, our physical bodies, our soul, our spirit. We were never created to experience death, but when sin entered in, it broke. It disrupted the shalom. This is where death entered in. This is where emotional trauma entered in. All of us are like... Come on, Adam. Come on, Eve. Why would you do that? Look how good it was. We probably would have done the same thing. 
This is where mental anguish came in. And we now live thousands of years post that. I would imagine in that moment Adam and Eve realized very quickly we shouldn't have done that. And probably tried to return very quickly to that which they once knew. But because we live thousands of years past that, we don't have firsthand experience. We now know that we desire something deep down inside of us. God has put this desire, this desire and this need for us to have shalom, but we don't know how to get it. So we, we try to regain we don't use the word shalom, but we try to regain hope. We try to regain love. We try to regain peace from creation instead of the creator. So we look to things. We look to people. We look to possessions. We look to adventures. We look to all of those things, hoping to satisfy that thing that God created us to be dependent on him for. And it affects us as individuals, but it also, like it affects our health. But it also jacks up our world. Imagine this. It's not just one person. Like, you can isolate one person and, like, like put them in the corner and say, okay, we're not going to let your mess-ups mess us all up, but we're all messed up. So we now interact with a bunch of mess-ups. This is not encouraging. for. A, I realize that. I'm call, but I, I'm in the party with you. So, like, we're all, this is where we are. This is why our world has so many issues. This is why war exists. This is why relational battles and strife exist. This is why evil is present. This is why murder is present. This is why injustice is in our world. I deep down believe that society is crying out for shalom. They just don't know how to get it. The world is saying, we need this. We need unity. We need justice. We need love. We need hope. For Christians, we should be screaming out, I know what justice is. I know what unity is. I know what hope is. I know what love is. All of those things are one thing. All of those things are found in the person and the image of Jesus Christ. But society is crying out, looking for things to be made all right. And the cries, I believe, are proper. But the efforts oftentimes miss the mark. In our world, one example could be like the world that we live in right now is justice. Justice is a massive word. And it should be because God was just. But when we when we don't follow a biblical pattern to achieve the thing that God put the desire in us for, we will not get the results that we deep down desire. Improper justice focuses on group identity. Where it says, hey, we got to align we got to align under a political party, under a skin color. We need to align under a socioeconomic status. Like, this is how we can achieve the world's problems. This is how we can fix these problems. They find their identity in the group that they belong to instead of finding their identity in Jesus. We are a new creation. In the beginning, God says that you were created in the image of God. 
That is the unifying factor. As a church, we exist to create Christ-centered communities. Christ-centered means we are unified by faith in Jesus and our love for one another. It is not any other thing. That's just one example of mankind trying to achieve and receive shalom, health, wholeness, but using their own route. 1 Thessalonians says this, Now... May the God of peace, take a guess what word that is, shalom. It's right there. It says, hey, he is this person. Now may the God of shalom himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify means restore back to that which is holy, uh, unadulterated, free from sin. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. What is completely? Holistically. He can make you whole. And then I love it. It says, and may your whole spirit, may your whole soul, may your whole body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's desire, God's desire, his heart, from the moment that Shalom was broken in the garden, in Genesis. From the moment that that serpent (laughs) deceived, God's heart is to bring us back to shalom in him. He's not playing a game. He's not not saying, oh, if you do this or do that, if you, you know, like it's not this carrot in front of the donkey thing. His heart breaks to restore mankind back to the garden. There's a story in the Bible. It's really a fascinating story. It's in Mark chapter 2. But these friends have a friend that isn't whole. He's not healthy. He's got a a physical issue. The truth is that he's paralyzed. And they've heard stories about this man named Jesus walking the earth, healing people, making people whole from their physical pain, hurt, deformities. So these friends, being friends of this man, say, I know what we got to do. We got to get our buddy around Jesus so he can make him physically well. We'll pick it up in Mark chapter 2, verse 4. What takes place is there is a massive crowd all around Jesus. When you start to hear about people getting healed and you're not whole, you want to get around that which would heal them. And then there was a lot of people that were just there because a lot of people were, it was like a magic show. People come to Jesus and church and things for a lot of different reasons. But this is what's going on. Anyway, there's massive crowds going on there, and it says this. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, so these guys that got a friend, they're like, no, he's just got to get close. They can't get close. And at church, you're not supposed to punch people and make your way through. So they're like, what do we do? It says this. They removed the roof that was above Jesus. Like, that's desperate. It's ingenious. It's, if somebody did that right now, it's criminal. But, you know, I mean, like, this is what's going on right here. Jesus is teaching in a room, and all of a sudden, panels start coming off of the roof. And some guys look down, and they're like, sorry, 
I mean, it would catch all of our attention, let's be honest. You got the room, my man. And they lower him. They lower him on a bed. All the way down. It says they opened the roof. They made an opening. They let the bed down where the paralytic lay, where their friend lay. Jesus, when he sees their faith, this is what verse 5 says, the paralyzed man gets all the way down and he says, you guys' faith is incredible. And what does he meet right there? He says, hey, man, your sins are forgiven. Hold up. Like, that's not the issue, right? The issue is that I, I can't move. The issue is that my friends had to get me here. And Jesus says, hey, your faith, what you've just done is amazing. Son, your sins are forgiven. Why did Jesus not heal the man's body but instead chooses to forgive him? Jesus realizes there's a bigger issue at hand than just the physical health. And oftentimes we see some of the results of the bigger issue in our world. And Jesus cuts straight to the straight to the heart. And he forgives a man of his sin. The story continues in verse 10, and he says this, he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He says to the paralytic, now, now that I've forgiven your sins, I'm going to tell you to rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. He meets the bigger issue first, And then he meets the man with the actual need that he came into the room seeing. A lot of times people find themselves in church. And if I could be really honest, you find yourself in church looking for a fix to fruit of the problem that's actually established by a much deeper root in your life. And we come to church, and and in good faith, this is not a knock, but we come to church hoping to get our problem fixed. And I'm here to tell you the same thing that Jesus was telling them. There's a bigger problem. The reason that health doesn't exist in our world isn't because there's growth hormones inserted into our food. The reason that health doesn't thrive in our community is nothing other than the reality that man separated themselves from God when sin entered the earth. Jesus heals the sin, and then he says, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. And the man rose up immediately. He picked up his bed. He went out before them. All to, like, he goes out. Everyone's amazed. I love their response. They're not amazed and saying, dude, you made it. You can walk. This is awesome. It says that they glorified God. They glorified God saying this. We've never seen anything like this. It says that he went out again beside the sea. And all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi. This is the, it's the son of Alphaeus. It might be in your, word, your Bible that it says that. And he was sitting at the tax booth, and he says to him, this is when he calls one of his disciples, he says, hey, come follow me. And they followed him. So Jesus and a new disciple 
go into an area where they're really not supposed to be because they were holy people. But it says this, that as he reclined at the table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners. That's not saying that if you're a tax collector today that you're a sinner. It was a little bit different back then. That was just, you want to talk about injustice? Tax collectors were remarkably unjust in those days. But it says that Jesus is there with tax collectors and sinners reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Because there was a bunch of people that followed him. It says in the scribes of the Pharisees when they saw it. So now the church leaders show up where Jesus is. And they see all these, some translations say, dirty scoundrels. <laughs> like <laughs> They show up and see these sinners, these heathens, these tax collectors. And they want to say something because they are holy. They are right. And they say, to, not to Jesus, but they say to his disciples, why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus overhears it. I would love to see or hear the tone that Jesus presents in this moment, but we don't have that. Some would imagine that it was in a sarcastic way that he brings this. Some would say it was in a demonstrative way. Some would say that he simply glances up and just whispers. But his response after hearing it was this. Those who are well have no need of a physician looking at them. You're, hell, you're, you're well. I said hell. That might have been accurate too. <laughs> those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. You know what that word means, sick? Holistically sick. Like they messed up. They're broken. And then he says this, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. What is sick holistically? It's emotionally sick, broken, not healthy, grieved. Commentaries say that this word means that literally just internally, mentally, it's just miserable. It's broken. It's undone. Those who are sick physically, diseased. Those who are sick spiritually, just broken in sin. Part of me wanted today to hand out to every single one of us those three categories and give you a sliding scale to rate yourself. How are you doing in the emotional category, the spiritual category, the relational category, the, the spiritual category, the all of these categories and rate yourself one to ten. And I'd have to believe if we were honest, we all wouldn't score 10 on every single thing. Which would indicate that we're actually not whole the way that God created us to be. Mankind likes to look at the person to your left or right and say, I'm not as whole or I'm more whole than this person. And we live by comparison and say, I'm better because they're not as good. But things change when we compare ourselves to perfection, to love, to God. We realize that very quickly we're lacking in a significant way. We realize very quickly that we're unhealthy, that we're sick. All of us. So did we come here just to find out we're all sick? This is one big teaser to get you in for the next three weeks. 
No, I'm here to prioritize the conversation, though. Because God had a plan. From the moment that the serpent deceived, God had a plan to restore shalom to his creation. And that plan involved his son, Jesus. How did Jesus restore shalom? Or or what was the cost to get shalom back? Jesus came to this earth. He surrendered his perfection and came and, and lowered himself as a man, as a baby, really. He lived a perfect life. He died a death on a cross that all of us deserved. You see, there's a penalty for sin. All of us have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, but he didn't. And at the end of his life, he chose to take everyone's penalty and pay the price. He paid the penalty of sin. He died on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he was buried in a tomb, but then he rose from the grave. The scripture is significant. Remember that serpent in the Bible? That serpent in the garden? That serpent that deceived and messed this whole thing up? The Bible tells us that he actually crushed. With his victory, he crushed that serpent. What the serpent inserted into our world, sin and deception, Jesus came and destroyed the enemy. Romans 16 says, the God of peace. What's the word peace? The God of shalom will soon crush Satan under your feet. Other translations literally say the serpent. How did it happen? How was shalom restored? Jesus. Colossians, and this is the last scripture, says this, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile, to bring back to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace making shalom by the blood of his cross. He restored shalom by pouring out his blood as a payment for our sin. It's amazing that in the word of God in Genesis, you see the Garden of Eden, you see shalom. And if you read all the way through the word of God in Revelation in chapters 20 and 21, you see this promise of a new heaven and new earth where shalom is present. It bookends with shalom, but we live in between those two points. And the only way to achieve shalom is not by our own efforts, but it's by the work of Jesus Christ. Holistic health starts with a relationship with Jesus. Would you guys bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you for today. God, I pray that every single one of our hearts would be open to you in this moment. And God, as we allow you to search our heart, God, we pray that you would show us anything that's displeasing. God, we surrender our next three weeks to you. God, those things that you want to speak to us, God, in every category of our life, God, we open up every category of our life. But God, I pray specifically for those today who have not found themselves in relationship with you, have never received the work, the gift of salvation that you gave mankind through the cross. God, I pray that there would be a moment in this room where people say, I believe that and I choose to live my life for that. 
God, I pray that these next three weeks, God, that we would be on our way towards shalom. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.